a long time ago. Well, is it is a year actually a long time ago? I mean, depends on how you're measuring or what you're measuring. Okay, in a city far, far away. Depending on where you live. If you live, say, in okay, Indianapolis... Okay, everything is relative. I get that. Two brothers had the idea... To make a podcast where we reviewed the first two episodes of Things. And we didn't put qualifiers on what Things were. And uh, we, we, we probably should have done that. But at this point, it's too late. We reviewed video games, we reviewed TikTok, we've reviewed television shows. I think we'll eventually review podcasts... And oh my god. We've reviewed, as you've probably seen because you fucking clicked on it and it has a title, the first two episodes of Star Wars. We are doing something a little bit different with this review. It will be posted as two separate episodes. Because movies be fucking long, yo. And other than that, mention that this that these are movies, we're going to be assuming we've never seen Star Wars. Who to what now? We know nothing about Star Wars. Why are stars fighting? And that this is a television series. Wait, wait, wait. Is this like a reality TV show where like celebrities fight? Is it that celebrity like claymation show where they made celebrities fight in a ring? If that was what Star Wars was, that would be amazing. <laughs> if Star Wars was a reality show where they like made stars like Keanu Reeves and like Jake Gyllenhaal live in a house together and we vote people out weekly. Oh, I, I'm not the biggest on reality shows if Gordon Ramsay isn't involved, but damn, I would watch that. Okay, so Star Wars, episode one. The Phantom Menace. Yes. And it's from 1999, yes. which means I assume the other nine, the other eight episodes have come out since then. Yeah, it has like nine fucking episodes, right? Yeah, yeah nine so episodes. So it's not the longest series we've seen. But, but apparently it has, like, a lot of spinoffs, too. Yeah, um, I know there's, like, multiple television show spinoffs as well. Like, yeah, this... A, other shows that spun off of this? Mm-hmm. It's weird, but I mean... Book series. I think it got a couple spinoff movies, too. Like, yeah. Rogue One was... was I, I've heard a about Han that. Solo sto- story? I don't know who Han Solo is. He didn't appear in this movie. I don't either. Also, they made a Christmas special movie. I think they made two of those, but I actually think those came out before the series. I think this TV series oh, might so be weird, based man. off the movies. Off the Christmas movies? Off the Christmas movies. That makes sense, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, so we start with probably some, like, so we all heard of show, don't tell, right? Yes. This show just says fuck that in the very beginning. Like, it starts with a giant scrawl of yellow that's just setting the scene. I'm just like, can, can we not, can, can you not just show me what's going on? I've not seen a show do a title scroll like this pretty much ever before. Yeah, neither have I. Yeah. I have some notes here that aren't actually relevant, but, um... I do have a really important question. Yeah. We learned from this scroll that this first episode is, or the series maybe, is based up, is based on trade routes and taxes and yeah. literally the most boring conceit you could ever have for a sci-fi fantasy series. Yeah, like this trade federation has put these taxes and this planet refuses to pay, so the federation has like put a blockade up. That sounds reasonable. Like, hey, you're not paying taxes on your trade. We're just not going to let trade through. But we find out that two Jedi Knights have been dispatched to deal with the Trade Federation at Naboo because there's a blockade. Yeah, the, the Galactic Council, whatever the fuck they call it, the Republic The Republic, Council? yeah, the Senate. Yeah, has, like, ma- dispatched two Jedi Knights but as ambassadors. Did, but they did not dispatch two Jedi Knights. We, we learn 
like less than four minutes in. They're not two Jedi Knights. One's called a Jedi Knight, and the other one's a Padawan. Yeah, Padawan is like a, a, a squire, maybe. I don't an know. Apprentice or squire. It's actual terminology outside of. So after our long weird scroll, we see a ship flying towards this embargo. Mm-hmm. Now, I just knowing nothing about the movie, and based on the opening scroll alone. Where it's obviously biased. The opening scroll is yeah, biased. Yeah, they're just like... They, they explain, at first, like, the first paragraph, hey, this this planet's not paying their taxes. These people that have the right to put taxes have, like, established a blockade. And then it goes on to call them greedy in the next paragraph, and it's just like, what in this first paragraph makes them greedy? It sounds like they're just doing their trade they're, job thing. Like, come on. They're, they're greedy because they want to get paid the taxes that they're owed. Yeah. Like, I have to assume this planet is part of the Senate thing. Mm-hmm. Because, well, that makes sense. And also, we do learn later they are part of the Galactic Senate. Yes. So they should be making money off these taxes, right? Like, they're they are they're not making money off the taxes, but they're getting, like, they're benefits a- from the taxes. Yep. And now they're refusing to pay them, and they're the only planet refusing to pay taxes that we at least hear of. Yep. I'm, I'm going to note, because I, I know it's kind of iconic. I've heard about it before. But apparently, Obi-Wan, one of the two characters we're introduced here, yeah. is minorly famous for having consistent bad feelings about things. Mm-hmm. He says it for the first time three three minutes and nine seconds into this episode. I would just like to point out, fucking the other guy, Qui-Gon Jinn, mm-hmm. he's fucking Liam Neeson. Yeah, Liam Neeson. But Obi-Wan's Ewan McGregor, so like, star-studded cast for this show. Star-studded cast. Yeah, it's a really good cast. I'm surprised by it. Yep. So the opening scroll's wrong. They're not Jedi Knights. Oh, they arrive at the Trade Federation ship where they're supposed to be doing negotiations. Yeah. Um, they're led to a meeting room by a droid called TC-14. Mm-hmm. This is a this is a typical protocol droid who then goes to talk to the Viceroys of the Trade Federation and informs the Viceroys that it believes that Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon are Jedi. So once TC-14 gets to the Viceroys of the Trade Federation tells them this, the Viceroy is like, mm, we need to contact Lord Sidious. Yeah, and meanwhile, with Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, they're just sitting in a room, and Qui-Gon is certain negotiations will be quick. He's just like, it's not going to be a problem, Obi-Wan, it's going to be quick, it's going to be done. Yep, Um, so they get Sidious on the hologram phone, Mm -hmm. and Sidious tells them that they need to land their troops on Naboo and start the invasion, Yeah, and and he will make it legal. mm -hmm. Because they're like, the Senate Senate won't be okay with that. And then he also is like, oh yeah, and the Jedi... Kill them. They shouldn't have yeah. got involved. And the Fed boys are just like the Federation boys are just immediately like scared, scared of the magic sword Jedi people, like terrified. They uh, they don't want to meet with them. They don't want to deal with them. And then they're told to kill them by Sidious. And it's just like they're so terrified of these people. I don't like. It feels like they probably can't kill them. And you probably know that weird, creepy, cloaked guy. Oh, so in response to that, they attempt to gas the Jedi, fill the room with poison gas, dioxys gas. But turns out Jedi good at holding breath. Yeah, like Obi's just like, "What do we do now, Master?" And he's just like, "Hold your breath." So there's some droids sitting outside the room where the Jedi's were, and the, the droids like, "They should be dead by now. We're just cleaning up." Open the doors, fire. Um, open the door. Not not even fire. Open the doors. Let's go. And they open the doors, and and two dudes with spinning light swords come charging out of the room, cutting down these fun droids. Um, and then we get a great line from one of the droids here. Uh oh. Blast them. Yeah. Droids, and, droids are funny, man. Like, Dude, these droids are like the fucking best thing in this movie. Like, throwing it out there. Best thing in this movie. Overall, so, droids. Je- the Jedi then merc a bunch of droids. I don't know if mm-hmm. you're, I don't know if you can merc a droid. 
they have their own personalities and like yeah they're I capable of making decisions them. like robots in star wars seem very close to just being like legitimate people except for the weird trash can ones with wheels we haven't got there yet yeah so they head off to the bridge where these federation guys have like closed their doors and Qui-Gon stabs through a door and starts to cut through it. And then they close another door? Close blast doors, yeah. Because they yeah. can't cut through blast doors. And then he's proceeding to cut through blast doors. Yep. And then what the Trade Federations are calling droidicas, but are also referred to as battle droids by Obi-Wan. <laughs> I called them Bakugan droids. They're like the tiny little sphere things that you roll out and then they hit a magnet and they pop up and they're just like, huh. Yeah, so some battle droids show up, but they have shields so the Jedi can't just deflect the bullets back at them. By bullets, I mean laser blasts. Um, like like photon shields or laser shields or something. Not not big metal shield thing. Mm-hmm. So in the smoke and carnage, the Jedis escape into the air vents. Mm-hmm. And then the Federation trade guys here get a call from a Queen Amidala. Yes. And she wants to know why the blockade is still there because the senator said he said ambassadors. And they're just like, ambassadors haven't arrived yet. What ambassadors? There are no ambassadors here. Yep. After she gets off that call, she receives a call from Palpatine. Senator Palpatine is similarly the one who sent these ambassadors, informing her that the ambassadors should have arrived to the Trade Federation. And he also says that the Trade Federation should lose all trade rights for invading Naboo because the droids have started to land on Naboo. Mm -hmm. So Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan... Um, decide to sneak aboard ships to get to the ground because mm-hmm. the Trade Federation are landing their forces. So they sneak into separate ships, arrive on the ground with the with the droid soldiers. Yeah. And shortly after arriving, Gwygon makes them makes the disastrous mistake of saving Jar Jar Binks' life. Now, yeah. having never seen these movies before, I tell you that it was a disastrous mistake only based on the context of roughly the next five minutes of Jar Jar's life. He's the most annoying character mm-hmm. I've ever seen on any television show ever yeah i'd have to agree and like they save him because the droids are coming in and they're like clear cutting this forest area for i assume good landing grounds to stage their invasion and we see all these running creatures and we just see this weird tall lizard salamander thing with like big ears yep um and shortly after guaygon saves obi-wan's life from getting ran over by a tank um a hover tank you can't even get ran over by it they in fact Drop down on the ground and let it just let it drive over them. Mm-hmm. If it had hit, if it had hit, it, Jar should, Jar, it should have knocked him on his ass and then just gone over him. Yeah, like he didn't even save Jar Jar's life. Mm-hmm. What is this whole thing about? But, but mind life? you, Jar Jar insists that he should stick with them because Obi Wan saved his life. Qui Gon, Qui Gon saved his life. Sorry. Th- then Obi Wan shows up shortly after that. Yeah, and um, they're talking about like if he's any use, and Jar Jar's like, "I'm intelligent. I spec." No, no. no. Gwygon's like, are you intelligent? And Jar Jar's like, I spec. And Gwygon's like, that's not proof of intelligence. No, no. parrots speak, boy. Like, yeah. So um, they're basically telling Jar Jar they don't need him in his usual sense. Just like, on a side note, parrots might be more intelligent than Jar Jar. Agreed. But so Jar Jar tells them he can take them to a secret Gungan city. I have to assume that's what he is then. Yes, a Gungan. And it's underwater, and it's secret, and they couldn't find it without him, so he'll take them to it. Oh, wait, he's not supposed to be there. He was outcast. Yep. So... They'll do bad things, and then Qui-Gon's just like, hear that sound, and it's a bunch of droids. He's like, that's like a thousand bad things. And he's like, okay, two city. 
So Jar Jar takes them to the city. They have to dive underwater. But the Jedis have these rebreather things that they just tuck in their mouths. This is the only time we see it in either of these episodes. They swimmy, swimmy, swim, swim. And they get to this giant barrier thing that they slide through. And inside the barrier, there's it's no more water. dry. So the Gungans went through a lot of effort to build underwater cities. Yeah, and they're clearly amphibious. So I don't know why they feel the need to make bubble cities. Anyways, once inside the city... They're stopped by guards because Jar Jar's not allowed here, and well, Gwygon and Obi-Wan like, are trespassers. The moment people see Jar Jar, everyone, like, backs up, like, scared, and they all recognize him. It's pretty fucking weird for a guy who said he, like, got banished for, like, causing some accidents. Yeah, he later says he got banished because he was clumsy. Yeah, just, no, he, he told me he was clumsy before this, like, so it's like, okay, I guess he, like, maybe destroyed, like, a statue or some shit, and then he comes well, in. And he they hadn't talked about why he got banned before this. Oh, I thought that did. No, no that happens later. But yeah, no, he's just, like... They appear fucking terrified of him. It's fucking weird, man. Anyways, the guards take them to the Gungan bosses, a guy named Boss Ness. Yeah. And Gwygon subtly convinces him by waving his hands that mm-hmm. they need a ship to trans- to get transport so they can get to the capital city of Naboo. Yeah, we, we do learn here vaguely that like, the Gungans just don't want to fucking deal with anyone. They don't want to deal with the Jedi. They don't give a shit about um, the humans on Naboo dying because why? why should they? And then I guess Qui-Gon has enough of this and just like a weird hand wavy thingy and gets a uh, transport. Which you they know, call a bongo? He also then chooses to save Jar Jar's life again by telling Boss Nass that Jar Jar owns, owes him a life debt. Well, he only does that after Jar Jar's like, <laughs> it's a trap. They're trying to send you through the liquid core of this planet and it's deadly there. And then Qui-Gon's like, oh, I guess we can take him. He you might know what? know what he's talking about. He's right, though. A liquid core of any planet would be de- deadly. The only right? Way, the only way <laughs> this a planet's planet... not fucking holding together. The only way a planet can maintain a liquid core is that that liquid is very, 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 very hot and made of substance that isn't normally um, meant to be liquid. Mm-hmm. You know, like metal or magma. Yeah. But whatever. Like a molten iron core. Yeah. So they get into what is clearly just one of Black Manta's ships from dc comics like I, I don't know where they get off like just stealing blatantly stealing the design from dc but whatever and then we are met with the atrocious decision to have the same tear like the same bad stuff because mm-hmm. bad stuff happens on adventures the, the same bad stuff happens to obi-wan and Gwygon and jar jar twice during this period yeah like so a big fish monster chases them. It looks like the giant big fish from Xanar- from the Xanarkin uh, opening in Final Fantasy X. Yeah, so a giant big fish chases them, and then right before they're going to get eaten by giant big fish, a giant bigger fish monster eats that fish. Yeah, and then we get the line, there's always a bigger fish. Okay. And then it happens again, like, five minutes later, yeah. as they're leaving the core. Like, th- there's, uh, they cut to um, the Federation talking to Sidious again. Yes. They, the the, the Trade Federation doesn't say anything about the Jedi escaping because... Yeah, they're just like, we, we don't want to let him know. The Federation's just like, Amidala seems pretty certain that the Council's going to be on her side. And Sidious is just like, trust me, she's easy to control. Then they don't tell him about the Jedi into conversation. And where's the conversation end? Oh, just so we can see them escape Big Fish again by another Big Fish eating other Big Fish again. Yeah, the only thing we gained from this conversation is finding out Jar Jar was exiled because of his clumsiness. Yeah. Yep. So, Obi-Wan and Gwygon get to the Naboo capital city just in time for the Trade Federation to take the Queen and her counselors and governors hostage. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to force her to sign a treaty, and they have assurances the the Senate will ratify the treaty. Yeah. 
And then Obi-Wan and Gwygon free the queen and all of her people. Like, immediately, they just, like, sneak into the city and are immediately upon queen prison transport. Yep. So they then escort the queen and her people to a hangar bay where some pilots are being held captive by droids. I mean, at, at first, the queen, like, goes on about how important her people are and about staying on Abu, and Qui-Gon's just like, now nah, we're going to go to Coruscant. And then takes them to the hangar. Tipping over the, like, pointless stuff. I mean, that kind of goes to her character of just constantly disagreeing with Jedi and then Jedi just being like, but this is smart, and then being like, yeah, I guess you're right. Fair point. So they get in the hangar bay, and Obi-Wan's like, I'll handle this. Oh, or is it Qui-Gon? Qui-Gon's like, I'll handle this. There's a bunch of droids with, like, pilots held up as prisoners. And so he goes up to the, the droid, and he's like, he says some stuff. The droid's like, I don't recognize who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to arrest you. And then they have to fight their way through these droids, too. Yeah. Um, the, he, he goes to arrest them. The droid's like, doesn't compute. Arrest them. It's great. Yep. Then they take a transport mm-hmm. and escape from Naboo, Naboo's capital city. And then they manage to escape past the blockade as well. But they get shot at. Yeah, and their shields get knocked out. And turns out their hyperdrive is leaking. And they have a bunch of these tiny, like, trash can droids on wheel track arm leg things. And they go out to spot weld in space the damage. I'd also like to know the damage to the ship just conveniently knocks off an entire panel. I I just like how the blast knocked off an entire convenient large rectangular panel. Yeah. Well, um, anyways, um, all these trash can droids, as you're calling them, get killed except one, which re pairs the engine or whatever mm-hmm. and they're, they're leaking hyper hyperdrive fluid or their hyperdrive is leaking or whatever yeah but, i don't know what that means but they managed to make the jump and make it to, to a planet called tatooine it's the nearest yeah. planet nearby it's controlled it, by huts which are alien gangsters i guess alien mafiosa yeah yeah and the pilot of the ship's like that's not a safe place and quagon's just like it's just as safe as a place ran by the federation at the moment which is everywhere else around here yep um, as the Trade Federation reports to Lord Sidious about Amadala's escape, we get the first mention of the term Sith. Um, yeah, we don't really know anything about it here. Um, uh, the Trade Viceroy says that the ship is impossible to find; it's out of their range. Mm-hmm. And Sidious says, "Not for a Sith." And then Darth Maul steps into focus, and we get introduced to him. He enters what he calls his apprentice, Death Darth Maul, and uh, he says he'll handle the Jedi and everything. I was like a point here. For some reason, in, like, this scene, and a few others, and it actually sounds like at the beginning of, like, the next scene, almost, when, um, I think it's Qui-Gon starts talking in the next scene, Sidious sounds like the brain from Teen Titans, with, like, audio-wise, and then it, the beginning of the next audio in the next scene sounds very much like it, too, and it's weird. So after this call ends, the Viceroy complains because things are getting out of hand. To quote him, now there are two of them. We should have never, like joined up with this we guy. should not have made this bargain yeah we should reasons. not have made this bargain padme one of the queen's handmaids mm-hmm. is then sent to clean r2d2 the trash can druid that saved them yeah they I also wrote, congratulate him for like fixing the ship i want to note that for some reason i wrote druid in my notes r2d2 is a druid yeah i congratulate him and then padme goes to wash him off yeah um and then they're trying to figure out what to do with parts and stuff and both Jedi, I disagree with um, Padme's, Amidala's advisor. Mm-hmm. 
Not that that matters. The Jedi are just apparently going to be the only people that get their way throughout this entire movie. That's like, not true. If you disagree with the Jedi, you're just wrong, and the Jedi are going to do what the Jedi do anyways. That's not true. I've got a very good example of that not being true in, like, two minutes. Yeah, there's only one person that can get away with not doing what the Jedi say. The Queen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. No, I mean, literally. Oh, really? Yeah, 100%, because they get to, to Tatooine, and then Gwygon, Jar Jar, and R2-D2 yeah. are heading into town to the spaceport mm-hmm. to see if they can get the stuff they need to fix the ship. Then Padme, sent by the Queen... Oh, yeah, is forced to take Padme. You're right. You're right. Qui-Gon's told he has to deal with it. And then he says, the Queen's not making any more orders today, and they take off before she can say more. Yeah. Yeah, see? It's Queen Qui-Gon, gets what she wants. Yeah, it's Qui- Qui-Gon, Padme, Jar Jar, and R2-D2 headed off into the town in Tatooine. Obi-Wan is left on the ship to prevent them from making comms off to the planet, apparently. Yeah, because they don't want to get tracked by the Trade Federation. Yeah. So... They find a shop, mm-hmm. and in the shop we meet a boy named Anakin. Yep, and a dumpy flying blue alien with a large fleshy proboscis. So, I just want to go ahead and get this out of the way. People continually pan Jake Lloyd. That's his name, right? Yeah, I believe so. Continually pan Jake Lloyd's performance in, the, in this movie. As Mannequin Skywalker, apparently. That's the thing I learned. Um, because his line delivery is terrible. I'm not going to try to sugarcoat that his line no, delivery bad. is terrible. It's bad. His first line in the movie is something like, are you an angel? Yeah. Because he's heard about angels from the deep space pilots. Um, but, and he's talking to Padme there. But it should be noted, as bad as his delivery is, the dialogue is just bad in general in the movie. Oh God, it's so bad. But more importantly, for like... An actor who's, like, ten years old, nine years old during yeah. part of this filming. His fucking, like, facial delivery is fucking on point. Yeah, his ability to emote is just miles above some of the other actors in this movie yeah. who are much older than he is. So, as much as people want to hate on Jake Lloyd for his terrible delivery of his lines, I think we need to look at the script writer for that, not necessarily Jake Lloyd. Although, he was pretty bad at delivering lines in, um... yeah. Jingle all the way as well. Another Jake Lloyd <laughs> film we reviewed. True. So, Anakin shows up, calls Padme an angel, and then we learn he wants to be a pilot, and that him and his mom are slaves, and they were one in a bet. Yeah. And well, this is going on. Well, we also learn he's good with robots because Jar Jar fucks something up, and Anakin's just like, just do this and whatever. Yep. And while Anakin is getting to know Padme, and Jar Jar is being an idiot, like Jar Jar always mm-hmm. is. Gwygon is talking to the Toydarian who runs the store. Mm-hmm. We get that. We get the, the Toydarians in a minute. Yeah, we don't get their names. Um, his name. Yeah, his name is Watto. I'm gonna go ahead and spoil it. Yeah. like his name is Watto, and Gwygon is talking about what, the hyperdrive that they need and the other parts they need. Yeah, and Watto he, is he's like trying to use Republic credits, and Watto's just like, well, I don't, I don't take those. Yeah, and uh, Gwygon's just like, yes, you do, and waves his hand again. Yeah, and he's like. What are you, a Jedi? Jedi mind tricks don't work on Toridarians. Only money. Highly problematic stereotype. Big nose, obsession with money. Yeah. Like, George Lucas, what are we doing? I got questions. Like, I don't I don't feel okay with Watto. I've heard people talk about the, the Trade Federation being, like, coded as Asians. Yeah. 
And like I can kind of hear it in like the accent they try to give the trade fed, but um but, yeah, but also that accent cuts in and out. It's weird as fuck. Like sometimes it sounds vaguely like piss poor Japanese, like someone trying to do a Japanese accent, and then suddenly trying to do like an Italian accent and like trying to weave the two together. It's weird and bad. Yeah, I I don't always see the like trade federation Asian coding, but it's so hard to miss the like racist stereotyping of Watto. Like, yeah, the. Anti-Semitic. Uh, anyways, Gwygon gets pissed because Wado won't accept his money. Mm-hmm. And so he takes Padme and Jar Jar and R2 out of the shop. Yep. And they get re- they're get they storming off as a sandstorm blows in. Yeah. And due to, due to Jar Jar sucking, Anakin catches up with them because Jar Jar tries to steal food from yeah. the stall. Uh, Anakin catches up, though, because he's told to just clean and go home. I, I yeah. mean, I, I don't know, like... He catches up because Jar Jar sucks ass. Yeah, yeah. If Jar Jar didn't try to steal food, there would have never been time for Anakin to catch up with yeah, him. Yeah, Jar Jar, like, eats, like, a whole frog-looking thing, and then it's what he has to pay, so he spits it out. And it's, like, weird alien looks vaguely like the worms from Men in Black, but with long arms? Who's yeah. called Sebulba. Yep. And Sebulba and Jar Jar get in a fight, and Anakin steps in to save Sebulba. Save Jar Jar, sorry. I was just wondering why anybody would save Jar Jar. Yeah, but like, and, and I can just like, this guy is big and important off world. I'd hate for you to get diced before we race again. Yeah, so they argue about that, and then Anakin offers them to stay at his place because the sandstorm mm-hmm. is blowing in, and they can't get to the outskirts of the town where they parked before yeah. the sandstorm hits. So once we're in Anakin's home, they meet his mother. It's a very quick introduction. Yeah, we don't get her name here, mm-hmm. but I'm going to say it because we get it later. It's Shmi. Yep. Um, Anakin then takes Padme and R2-D2 to meet the droid he's making. C-3PO. It's a protocol droid, mm-hmm. which is why I knew that T-something-14 was a protocol droid as well. Yeah. He says it's to help his mom, and, and I feel like he probably doesn't have the right to that droid because he's a slave, right? Like. Uh, slaves often don't get to own things, right? Yeah, I think if he when he finishes, he's a, like, well, that's probably gonna fucking sell that for some good money, yeah. Yeah, he's gonna be like, oh, look, my droid. Thank you, Anakin. Um. Anyways, we then finally get to see Coruscant, and we meet Darth Maul and Lord Sidious, who are plotting together, and they seem to have figured out that the Queen is on Tatooine. We also learned about something else in that scene, though. Anakin's making a thing called a pod racer, which is. Tied way too much into this fucking movie and plot than I would ever want it to be. Anyways, back on Tatooine, Anakin starts trying to convince Qui-Gon to enter him into the pod race mm-hmm. so that they can win prize money to get the parts they need to fix the ship. Yep. Um, Shimi is not sold on the idea, but eventually comes around because Anakin's like, Mom, you're always telling me that the problems in this universe are that people don't help people enough. I mean, th- there's also an, an important thing here. Um, when Anakin's talking about being a pod racer. He's the only human pod racer. And Qui-Gon says that Anakin must have Jedi reflexes mm-hmm. to be able to fly a pod racer. Yep. Um, actually, mm, yeah, this, is a good, this is a good point to stop. We've seen Naboo now. Yeah, Naboo. It's a, it's a pretty wealthy city, planet, high in resources. Yeah, lots of fucking trees, nice clear blue waters... So, um, so far, we're framed in the viewpoint that the, the Nabooian humans and their settlement are good people. 
they're, that's they're what the we've heroes. been told. The Queen is part of our hero crew. And the Trade Federation are the bad guys. And don't get me wrong, they invaded Naboo and, like, definitely not, a, like, they didn't have the permission to do that. Yeah, I mean, mind you, though, the work they've done since they've landed on Naboo that we've seen is destroy some trees but and, ha- like, try ha- to hold the people that owe them apparently a bunch of fucking back taxes. But they had permission to put the trade blockade into effect. Yep. And they had permission to... to tax them. Tax them. We know Naboo has representation in the Senate. And um, that means they were part of the Senate that passed the tax reform that let the Trade Federation tax trade routes so that they could maintain trade routes so that trade ships wouldn't get attacked by pirates. I would assume whatnot. that's what all the Trade Federation does. That tends to be what trade companies do. And then Naboo, this apparently wealthy planet, was just like, taxes? Nah. We're going to benefit from the ta- from the trade routes and trading but we're not going to pay to help support that. I don't know how Naboo are the good guys. They're not, man. They're really not. I know the Trade Federation are working with the evil Jedi people, the Sith. Yeah. Um, and that makes the bad guys. Like, from on that level, that makes them bad guys. But I don't know how they were the bad guys at the start of the movie. Honestly, I don't know how they're bad guys by the end of the movie because the Sith are basically just trying to be doing exactly what they have the Jedi doing in this movie. Which is enforcing what one group wants. Yeah. One group that was actually more in the right than the current group. So that's... um, I just have a little bit of problem with that, yeah. We did miss one thing, though. Um, Obi-Wan and everyone got, like, a call from Naboo. And it was just about how... It it was clearly a blatant trap to get them to respond. And he eventually tells Qui-Gon. And Qui-Gon's just like, don't fucking respond. So here's another question. And, I mean, I'm taking information from the second movie Mm -hmm. to support this. And I guess the second movie does, there's a, there's a bit of a time skip, but... Um, a bit, yeah. In the second movie, Obi-Wan attempts to communicate with, with a ship that he knows where, it's, where it should be. Yeah. Realizes it's not there, so he can't make the communication, tracks it, and is able to communicate with it then. Yeah, he uh, expands his so, radar. But here's the thing. He can only communicate with it if he knows where it's at. Well, assumedly, he knows it's like signal code because he expands his radar and then can find it on a different planet okay but still how are the trade federation forcing this governor from naboo to communicate with the nabooian ship without knowing where that ship's at my assumption is that they're broadcasting it on like naboo ship channels like like they have like a broadband channel that they're just blasting it at and thus, the new Boo ship will pick it up, and they're hoping the new Boo ship will respond. Okay, yeah, I guess, sure. That's my assumption. I mean, it's not too far out there. I mean, fucking open channels exist. Yep. So, after Gwygon and Shmi and Anakin all come to the agreement to enter Anakin in the race, Gwygon has to go and talk to Watto. Mm-hmm. Because he needs Watto to pay the entry fee. Well, he needs Watto to like give permission so he can use Anakin. So he can use Anakin to race because they're gonna lie about the pod racer being Qui Gon's, but he still needs Anakin to race the pod racer that is technically Watto's property. I mean, it's only Watto's property if Watto knows that Anakin built it. So it's Watto's property because his property <laughs> built said property. Um, but yeah, so he he makes a deal with Watto, and the deal is, if Anakin loses. 
Mm-hmm. Watto gets to take their spaceship sure. to pay for the entry fee. Otherwise, Watto fronting the entry fee. Yeah. Other and then if they win, Watto gets all of the money that is the prize minus the cost of the parts because they're just gonna give him the parts and minus the entry fee that he already had to pay. Yeah. And that's the deal they come down to. Mm-hmm. Then after that, um, that night, Gwygon is talking to Anakin's mother, and we find out that Anakin was a virgin birth. Yeah. Um, Shmi explains to. Qui-Gon that Anakin is just space Jesus. Anakin is space Jesus. Yeah, because Qui-Gon originally starts with like, Anakin has a great future. His reflexes are wonderful. Who's his father? And she's just like, there was no father. He's space Jesus. Yep. Um. So, after that, Qui-Gon is sitting with Anakin outside mm-hmm. and does some blood work. And then sends Anakin off to bed. Yeah, he's talking to Anakin about the stars and stuff as a way to distract him. And then Qui-Gon takes that blood sample, sends, I guess, a digitized file of it mm-hmm. to Obi-Wan to read its midichlorian count. And Obi-Wan just responds with, like, it's higher than Yoda's, which we we got dropped at, like, the beginning of this movie with, like, no reference. But apparently Yoda's, like, one of the strongest Jedi in their, like, order like or the whatever they the are. Like the Jedi Council. Yeah. yeah. Um... We get, we get that he has more midichlorians than Yoda, and that his count his midichlorian count is twenty thousand over twenty thousand. Yeah, and they're both insert, unsure what it means. Insert Dragon Ball Z over nine thousand mm-hmm. meme. So then from Here. there we get a shot of a lone ship descending on the dark blue skies of the desert at night. Assumedly, I don't know. It has two mm. suns. Is it ever night? Whatever. Um, it, it's Darth Maul. He has some binoculars and he sends down some search sphere droid things. Yes. Um, the next day, Anakin's friend stopped by while he is getting his pod racer. I guess actually this was the night before, the day before. Yeah, th- th- Sorry, they mock him about how he's not going to win. Jar Jar drops a wrench in an engine. 3PO and R2 thinks he's weird. Yeah, essentially that. Interesting fact. Yeah, I'm going to cut out of our kayfabe for a second um, and address something. There is a little blue alien with like little green ears and a cute little face and big black eyes. And he's friends with Anakin. Mm-hmm. The movie never gives him a name. Not once. And I thank God for that. Because, uh... There's a deleted scene. Yeah, well, we waited to get everything in order. I just ran through some of the deleted scenes that Disney Plus has on it. One of the deleted scenes... Names him as Greedo. Mm-hmm. You know, the alien that Han Solo murders in episode four. Yeah, they just named him Greedo for no fucking reason, and apparently he thinks Anakin cheated about something. Yeah, so, um... In that deleted scene... I, I like I said, cutting out a kayfabe for a second. We've we've seen all the Star Wars movies except I never watched Solo because I don't hate myself. It's not good. Don't do it. Um, but yeah, apparently that was Greedo at one point, and then they were just like, maybe no. Yeah, I will say, from my knowledge of the expanded universe, the Legends universe, Greedo grew up on Coruscant. <laughs> yeah, it, it couldn't be Greedo. He decided to become a bounty hunter, and then ended up on Tatooine, and then died. Um. Anyways, back to, back to kayfabe. So Watto, I don't know what Star Wars is. What is Star Wars? I don't know. So um, uh, Watto and Qui-Gon are talking about their agreement, and Watto's just like, I don't think Anakin's going to win. Sabalba always wins. <laughs> and uh, Watto's willing to bet everything on Sabalba, and Qui-Gon says, yeah, I'll take that bet. I'll bet you my new pod racer for both of your slaves. So Shmi and Anakin Skywalker. And when I was like, no pod racer is worth two, two slaves. slaves. We learned earlier, though, that he won two slaves on a pod race. Mm-hmm. He won both of these on a pod race bet. So Yeah, and then... Eh. 
Um, Gwagon immediately goes, fine, the boy. And Wendell goes, I'll roll my chance cube. And he seems pretty sketchy. He seems pretty scammy about it, so I assume it's rigged. Oh, it's definitely rigged. You can see it on his face. But he'll, he's like, I'll roll my chance cube. Um, on red, Shmi. On blue, Anakin. He rolls it, and Qui-Gon does a little hand wave, and the die stops on the blue. Yep. Um, Watto's upset. Yeah, we, but like the way Watto looks at the chance cube... And then Qui-Gon, you know it's fucking rigged. Yeah, you know it's loaded. Um... Because he later, later, spoilers, mm-hmm. Anakin wins. He later is like, it wasn't a fair bet. You cheated. Yeah. And Qui-Gon's like, cool. You want to take it to the huts? I'll murder your ass. Yeah. Um. So, so that's basically that interaction. But we find out briefly when Anakin is talking to Padme that uh, Anakin has never won a race, let alone finished a race. Yep. Um, and she's just like, wait, what? Anyways, that's all the introduction we need for this piece. Now it's time for the pod race. Race stands in fans into our screen. Brought to you by Jabba the Hutt. The same Jabba who, as, who again, breaking kayfabe, is a villain in, in the first trilogy. Yeah, now he's a mafioso who runs a fucking pod he, race that people come from star systems around to participate in. tattooing like a much more successful planet in this prequel trilogy? I have to assume... When the Republic falls, Tatooine just gets fucked. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, back to kayfabing. Um, so anyways, time for the pod race, brought to you by the Huts, mm-hmm. um, the mafia family that run this planet. We get introduced to a lot of unimportant racers, it doesn't matter. Um, and Sebulba sabotages Anakin's pod racer. Yeah. I'd like to point out, though, pod racers seem to have no set standards. Like, all these have different sized engines, but... Justice, it's a sport ran by a mafia. Yeah, but I mean, what's to stop me from fucking putting in a Starship movie like, that's my pod racer? Yeah, Justice, it's the sport ran by the Mafia. They're the ones that are going to be able to afford to put in a pod that's just pulled by two Starfighters. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, so yeah, Sebulba <laughs> sabotages Anakin's pod racer and tells him he'll never win because he's slave scum. And then we learn something very important, and that is you can, in fact, spend 15 minutes of a movie asleep and not miss anything from the movie yeah um so pod I, racing is boring I'll, I'll give you my notes on the pod race the race starts can i tell you can i, can I just go ahead and read my yeah, you notes, read your notes the pod race pod racing is boring i fell asleep i think anakin won it's a great spot for a 15 minute nap time it's right in the middle of the film yeah so um <laughs> if you didn't fall asleep but you were mightily tempted to let me just gloss over what happens and you can just skip it next time you gotta watch it or if you're watching it the first time just just skip it. I'll give you the basic rundown. The race starts. Pod racing is the perfect time to get up and go use the bathroom, get yeah. a new drink, fix some popcorn. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just that perfect intermission period. Yeah. So the race starts. Anakin seems to flood his engine and stalls. I guess he fucked up on the trove or something. To be honest, I always thought this was um, Sebalba's doing. but I assume Sebalba's doing later. I mean. Yeah, no, you pointed it out while I was half asleep. Yeah. And then, um, I, then I was fooled. So does some other guy his shit fucks up Anakin manages to fix his and takes off um Sebulba multiple times like forces people to crash runs the mini kang and I will say Anakin claimed that his pod racer was the fastest. fastest pod racer ever and based on the amount of time he spent stalled at the starting line I would agree and the fact that he still wins yeah sounds right yeah I mean also, that acceleration thing is fucking uh, astounding. Also, Sebulba's pod racer never accelerates. It's in a constant state of deceleration. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, I, I have a note for that. So as they're going, we see some people attack the racers from outside of the race, which just feels dumb and not fair, but whatever. 
I mean, it's ran by a mafia boss. So we're expecting. Now, my note: What is with the fucking pod race sound effects? Yeah. constantly sounds like an engine slowly dying or a fan stopping to turn. Um, another ship blows up, and the sound of not the explosion, but of a seat spinning ways. Nothing is consistent on any of the pod racer sounds. Like each pod racer has its own sounds, which makes no sense because they should all run the same basic way from what's displayed. But Anakin Chick gets fucked up. Um, Sabalba forces him off an, an on ramp. He flies, does a massive jump, lands in front of Sabalba, wins race. Does forcing him? Oh, uh, and Sabalba and them get their shit tangled, and then Anakin breaks away, and Sabalba crashes. Does forcing a pod racer to to go in the air hurt it at all they hover they make some fucking comment about it apparently he had to like kill his engines and then re-engage them so i i assume it would go down far enough and i can re-engage his engine soon enough to create pull upwards sure i don't know it's dumb pod racing's dumb anyways anakin wins Watto tries to skamaz on the bet shmi's happy because her son won and that's when Gwygon threatens to take him to the huts. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why Gwygon threatens to take him to the huts. Gwygon has a fucking sword. Well, yeah, fuck- he has a lightsaber. Gwygon has a magic sword and magic powers. I don't know why he's just like, you see this? I'll cut your fucking head the off. The only thing Watto has against him is Toydarians can't fall for Jedi mind tricks. It's just like, okay. But we know we, we also know, again, pulling from episode two here, that Jedi don't have, just have the power to mind trick you or like they make can. dice land how they want. They can fucking sling hundreds of pounds of stone at you. Yeah. Like I'm pretty sure if they if you want to do, you could just like crush the guy's wings. No more flying for you. If even if that doesn't work, he has a lightsaber that cuts through metal. He can cut off his fucking wings. He cut. He's cutting through the blast doors. That's impossible. Yeah, tell that to the laser sword that this guy has. Yeah, the magic laser sword. So uh, Qui-Gon picks up Anakin because Anakin is free, and Qui-Gon is taking him with them. And uh, Anakin's like super fucking on board that he really wants to be a Jedi. And Qui-Gon's like, well, being a Jedi is hard. like, I'm fucking on board. I don't care how hard it is. I'm going to do it. His mom's cool with it and everything. And then just as he's getting ready to leave, it's kind of an afterthought. Anakin's like, wait, what about mom? I, I will say, this is the actual exact scene where I w- noted how Jake Lloyd, how good Jake Lloyd's emotive skills are. Because I first noted, Jake Lloyd really didn't gain any like acting skills when it comes to delivering his lines in no. the three years between this movie and Jingle All the Way. He is just as bad at delivering his lines as a six-year-old as he is as a nine-year-old. Yeah. Uh, Then I went on on to note, note, he's hella good at emoting with his face, though. Like, it's no wonder they cast him. He's like, he's good. Yeah. Like, maybe not line delivery, but, like, just give him as few lines as possible. They don't. No, they 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 give him way too much, and they write it poorly. Yippee! Um, or... The ever beautiful and never dreaded. Now that's what I call pod racing. No, now this is pod racing. Now this is you're pod getting racing. it confused with a music series of now that's what I call music. Yeah, now this but, is pod racing. Yeah. yeah, so um, he's upset about his mom, but a uh, fun fact: she's not free. She's not going with them. Yep. She, she's just like go, and he's like, but I don't want things. And she's just like, shit changes. That's life. Go with the weird space monk guy with magic sword. Also, this is the first time, and I think it's the first time out of five or six times I note. Star Wars has excellent music. This is a good. This is good music. Oh yeah, for music series. has so far been the like main point of this show. Anyways, we go back to Maul, and he's receiving an update from a probe droid, and then he jumps on a hover bike and speeds off into the desert. 
Yeah. We then cut to Gwygon and Anakin running through the desert. I don't know why they're running at this point. But then, oh no, in the background, we see a hover bike speeding yeah. towards them. So Qui-Gon yells at him to get down, kind of shoves him into the dirt. It's Darth Maul. Who would have guessed? Mm-hmm. Um, Qui-Gon and Darth Maul have a brief fight. It's not that cool, sadly. It's kind of depressing. No, Qui-Gon escapes by jumping, by like super jumping onto the ship's ramp. Why Maul just looks at him? Yeah. Um, apparently there's an extended version of this fight scene where Maul also jumps onto the ship's ramp. And then gets knocked off. Would have been better. Yeah, because it also doesn't make sense when we cut into the ship. Because... It- well, when we cut away from the ship, as, like, it pulls away, we get Maul, who was standing, facing towards the right of the screen, with his sword out at Qui-Gon, and then we cut to, just as the ramp goes up, Maul looks like he's just fallen into the center of the screen, facing away from us, so we just yeah. see his hood. Well, no, so like, it's bad. For, it's for a bad me, cut. For me, the even more outrageous thing is that Qui-Gon has to, like, fall into the ship. And he's exhausted. I have, a, I have a really important piece to say here. Mm-hmm. Um, we then cut to the Trade Federation with one of the governors from Naboo talking about how their people are starving, da 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 Yeah. And the governor's like, the queen w- won't do what you ask. She, she speaks for her people. She, the queen has an elected position. Naboo has yeah. spoken. This is a democracy. Queen is an elected position on this fucking planet. They elected a 14-year-old girl to lead their fucking planet. Not yeah. their country. The their entire planet. planet. A 14-year-old yeah. girl. It's a democracy. They I elected her. Dude, I straight up Ugh. understand why Boss Nast doesn't like the uh, peop- like the humans of Naboo. They elected a fucking 14-year-old. And he's just like, what the fuck are they doing? Yeah, we're not we're not gonna we're not gonna do anything political with those. They're fucking crazy. <laughs> She ran for office as a 13-year-old. Maybe even started pre-campaigning as a 12-year-old. Like... Yeah. So, um, we do get on the craft, though, before we got to fed the Federation, um, that... I'm gonna go ahead and... Darth Maul is probably after the Queen, but they're not sure. Slight episode 2 here as well. By the time we get to episode 2, like I said, there's a time skip. There's a new Queen of Naboo, who is also a teenage... Mm-hmm. Or, I don't know how old, like 16-ish, maybe? Yeah. Um, so, electing Amidala as a 14-year-old... She was not the youngest queen Naboo has had. The Gungans are right. Don't don't fuck with like, the people on Naboo. All that- not because they're scary or anything, because they're fucking dumb. And honestly, it makes a whole lot more sense now. When we know that a 14-year-old runs the planet. Which is like, I don't want to pay taxes. <laughs> Ugh, they sound dumb. Is that the entire, like... That's my, like, that's my head Is that cannon. the entire problem, like, that starts the conflict in this movie? A 14-year-old was like, I don't want to pay taxes. Yeah. In the conversation with the Viceroy that the droid is having, we learn that the droids are going to go off to find the Gungan village because they've heard things about hidden underwater villages yeah more importantly queen is an elected position yeah so then we cut back to the spaceship with padme and she's watching the fucking warning from before and then she notices anakin and she's like i'm cold he's sad they talk that's basically their interaction oh no that's not quite it yeah, it's not good. Yeah, like, I don't want to talk about like, it. She's like, you're from a war- you're from a hot planet. You'll get used to it. Hotter than I would like. Space is space is cold, Anakin. And then 
He's like, I made you this bracelet so that you would never forget about me. And she's like, don't worry, I wouldn't ever forget about you. Mm -hmm. When we get to the capital, things will change, but I'll always care about you. Yeah, the the thing that he gives her is carved from Kapoor Snippet. Do I know what that fucking means? Does it matter? Do they ever explain? No. Does it just look like it's carved from, like, maybe bone or, like, some plastic? It's carved from space words. Yeah. Um... One of my favorite podcasts is called Expanded Universe, mm-hmm. where they read old legends books of Star Wars. See, one of my favorite is Expanded Expanded Universe. Yeah, yeah, well, and I have learned a lot about Star Wars from Expanded Universe and Legends Universe, and I know most of it's not canon anymore. Probably but, for good things. But the important thing I've learned is in Star Wars, when you're in doubt for naming things, just bullshit. Yeah. Someone else will explain what the fuck it is later. And trust me, they always do. There's an entire Wikipedia for it. Mm-hmm. Anyways. So they land on Coruscant, and yes. Palpatine is waiting for them. And, and so is Supreme Chancellor Valorum. No, so is Supreme Chancellor Terrence Stamp, also known as Zod from the Superman movies. Valor. Or the voice of Jor-El from Smallville. You would know, having just watched all 15 seasons of Smallville. It's only 10, and also, I'd like to point out, Valorum is just noted as Supreme Chancellor Zod in my notes now. Um, we now learn that there's a Jedi Council mm-hmm. to which Qui-Gon has to report to. So he and Obi-Wan ha- make plans to visit the Council, but they send Anakin and Jar Jar with the Queen yeah. and the Queen's body doubles such as Padme. Yeah. Also, Jar Jar is talking to Anakin, he's just talking about how nice the Queen is, and also she's pretty. Sure, he can make the pretty observation, but the Queen's has like, no interactions with Jar Jar. How the fuck does he know if she's nice or not? Queen has also had no interactions with Anakin. Right? Like, what the fuck is this conversation? It feels pointless. There is a fan theory that exists. Yes. Um, and I don't want to say I think it's canon, but I think at one point it was the plan. I think it's fun at the very least. I think at one point it was the actual plan for Star Wars. And that is that Jar Jar Binks... Is the Phantom Menace. It, yeah, is secretly a Sith agent working to maneuver Palpatine everything. into control. Um, and you know what? I buy it. There's enough evidence of that. I don't think I don't think that that's true by episode two. No, I definitely don't think it's true by episode three. But I think 100 percent when they were writing this movie, that was the plan. Yeah, I can see it. It explains why people are afraid of him. It explains why he can do a 15 foot like backflip, jump when we see other Gungans fight at the end of this movie, and jump and they can't do that. Uh, we see him basically drunk kung fu his way through an army of droids at a point yeah. not the entire army but through a good chunk of the droids without getting hurt uh why he notices giant big fish in underwater bongo transport before the jedi do why he seems to realize that amidala is, is padme, padme. oops spoilers. spoilers yep before anyone else does yeah and why he's continually trying to push padme and anakin together Anyways, yeah, um, that's a theory, and I'm, uh, I buy it. Yeah, it's not I the worst it. theory I've ever come across. <clears throat> Anyways, Palpatine meets with the queen in her chambers, and mm-hmm. they talk about how the Senate has become corrupt and petty, and then Palpatine tries to convince Amidala that she needs to call for a vote of no confidence and Chancellor Valorum because they need a new, stronger Supreme Chancellor. Yeah. Who, um, would that ever, who could that ever be? They don't say... But, you know, Amidala's just like, I can't do that. Supreme Chancellor Zod has been, like, a firm supporter for us. His name is Valorum. Supreme Chancellor Zod. Anyways, in the Jedi Council meeting, we meet Sam Jackson. 
Samuel Nick Jackson. Fury. Samuel Jackson. Nick Fury is a Jedi Master on the mm-hmm. Council. Seemingly, by the amount by the amount of talking he gets, one of the heads of the Council, him and this little green man. Mm-hmm. The green man's name is Yoda. I'm sure most of you know who he is. Yeah, and, and I think there was an obsession about baby Yodas. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But Qui Gon is here to report Darth Maul. This Sith. Master Sith Jedi. I don't know. They just call him a dark warrior throughout yeah. all of this. Gwygon's like, I think he's a Sith. And Yoda's like, I refuse to use the term Sith because we don't know he's a Sith. He's Sith a dark can't warrior. be back. We would know. They've been gone for a thousand years. We would never have let the Sith come back. <laughs> They've been gone for a thousand years. Oh, good. A-, a boy who will bring balance to the Force. I'm sure this only mean good things for us. Yeah. He mentions that Anakin's a phenomenon and suggests that he's part of the prophecy about bringing balance to the Force, which... If the dark side of your like group is gone, and you're talking about something that's supposed to bring balance, and has been gone for a thousand years, everyone knows there's a balance between good and evil. If all of the good exists and no more evil, we know what's gonna fucking happen, right? To be fair, Yoda and Yoda and um, Nick Fury are both like, yeah, but we can't train him. No, no, can do. Yeah, can't do it. Bad idea. Let's, let's just move on. Forget we ever found the prophecy, kid. Yeah, but Qui-Gon really wants to make him a Jedi, and the Council eventually is just like, let us see the kid. And you know, it's not Mace Windu that eventually, like, submits to the idea of training it's Anakin. Yoda. It's Yoda. So I'm 100% on board with the idea that Nick Fury was like, no, I know what balance means. Yeah. Do you guys not understand balance? Like, it's been a thousand years. <laughs> no Sith. If we bring balance to the Force... We get Sith. That's a thousand years, no Jedi. <laughs> so we cut to Anakin, and he's stopping by to see Padme. She's not there. Queen's in her honor asking. She's like, well, I'm off to the Jedi Temple. Hopefully we become a Jedi. I, I'll probably never see you guys yeah. again. And the Queen's like, don't worry, we'll tell her. I'm sure her heart goes with you. Anyways, we skip to a Senate meeting where we get some yada yada trade routes, yada yada taxes, yada yada politics, yeah, yada yada. Palpatine's are like, I got problems with the Fed generation and the way they've done things. And accuses them of invading, and the Federation's just like, you have no proof. And then other people are like, what about a review committee? And then they're just like, no. So... Well, no, like, my best part is the Trade Federation are like, you have no proof. And they have no proof because the Trade Federation cut off transmissions. Yeah. So the Trade Federation are like, you have no proof. Well, send a committee to review. And Supreme Chancellor Zod is just like, hey, you cool if we send a review? And Amadala's just like... No, my people are dying. I refuse. I'm just going to go deal with it myself. She, she's like, no, I refuse. Instead, I vote no confidence in Chancellor Valor. Get it, bitch. Yeah, Zod, you're out of here. Um, every, there's an outbreak of noise. And then we go back to Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon with Anakin, talking to the council about Anakin. And talking about Anakin and the council, sorry. Yeah, um, Anakin's there meeting the council. Yeah. And Obi-Wan's certain that the council won't pass him because that'd be dumb. He passes their mind test where he has to read um, Nick Fury's mind Mm. to figure out what Nick Fury is seeing on the screen. And then they start, like, interviewing him. And Yoda's just like, you're afraid. And he's like, no, I'm not. And then Yoda's like, you're afraid for your mother. And he's like, what's wrong with that? I miss her. What's wrong with that? And Yoda's like, fear leads to anger, anger to hate, hate to suffering, suffering and hate. Actually, he's like, fear is the path to the dark side, because fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate. Yoda basically just goes about how emotions are bad. Don't have emotions. Emotions will kill people. Or as I put in my notes, yada, yada, yoda, yada. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then we cut to Jar Jar talking to Queen Amidala, and he's like, so your people are going to die, right? 
Also, your Gungans are going to die, right? You know, the Gungans wouldn't die without a fight. The Gungans have an army for a reason. And Amidala's just like, yeah, yeah, armies fighting. Yeah. yeah. And then Palpatine comes in and he's like, you know, actually, hold on. We're not on episode two yet, but that's a fucking massive turn she makes in the time jump. She's like, yeah, yeah, armies, mur- murder the Trade Federation. Yeah. And then 10, ten years later, he says the time skip. She's like, armies are bad. I've been fighting against this entire idea of building an army for the Republic because for some, ha- some fucking how, and I know this is spoilers for episode two, the Republic has existed for a thousand years, years with no fucking army and has no military force at all. Not even like a militia they can call upon. Anyways, back to this episode. So Palpatine walks in. He's like, hey, guess who's up for a nomination? There's three nominations for Supreme Counselor. One of them is a name drop you'll recognize if you watched episode if you watch episode four, five, and six. The other one is me. And the third one is somebody nobody cares about. Yeah. And he's like, you got to stay to vote for me. And I was like, I'm going back to Naboo to fight. And, he's, and Palpatine's like, oh, what? Uh, okay. And then she's like, the Senate doesn't work. Republic doesn't work. Um, I wish you well in the Senate, but um, the Republic no longer functions, so I gotta go kill some Trade Federation droids. Yeah. And Trade Federation people, maybe. So then we come back to the Jedi, and the Jedi Council's like, yeah, we're not gonna turn Anakin. And then Gwagon's like, well, I'll take him as a Padawan anyways, fuck you. Yeah. And then the Council's like, you can't, you, you have go a Padawan. Obi-Wan. And he's and, like, and then Obi-Wan's Gwag- ready to become a Jedi. Yeah, Gwagon and Obi-Wan are both like, he could pass the tests, he doesn't need to be a Padawan anymore. And Obi-Wan's like, yeah, I can pass the test, I'm ready to move on from being a Padawan. And then the Council's like, you don't get to say who's ready for a test. That's our job. Um, and then Gwagon's like, that's fine. I'll still watch the kid anyways. Anyways, they then tell him that he has to return in the boot with the queen so that they may ascertain who the dark warrior from before is. Yeah. So then we get Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon talking. And Obi-Wan thinks Anakin is dangerous. And Qui-Gon says the council will get on the board no matter what. And Obi-Wan's just like, that's still dumb. We shouldn't trust him. But Qui-Gon's like, whatever. And then Qui-Gon's talking to Anakin. He's just like, so I can't train you. But watch closely. But no one's going to say you can't watch what I do, copy what I do. I No one's going to say I can't slow down what I'm doing. Maybe, you know, talk out loud, explain myself out loud to, you know, whoever's well, listening. Obi-Wan is still my Padawan, so I might have to go go run him through the basics again. Yeah, you know, make sure he's up to snuff on everything. Make him repeat some forms. Um, yeah, um, essentially that's what Qui-Gon says. He's like, I can't train you. <laughs> But, but I can train, train people you. around you. <laughs> Anyways, um, the Trade Federation are then having a hologram video call with... No, 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 no. Did I skip something? Then Qui-Gon explains midichlorians. Oh, um, I skipped that because no no self-respecting person that likes Star Wars... I'm sorry. Uh, this is my first time watching in this. Like, I, they sounded pretty important. They're these, like, tiny microorganisms you that live in... you know how important they are? They're never mentioned in episode two. I know it's weird, right? And never again, and never mentioned in episode three. I'm assuming it's never mentioned in episode two, though, because we learned that Qui Gon was a bit more of a radical Jedi. And I'm assuming if we get more Dooku, Dooku might mention midichlorians. I have a spoiler for you, and you're not gonna like it. <laughs> so, apparently, they're like these weird little microorganisms that influence the world around them, and they live in a symbiotic relationship with Jedi's, and only. Jedi's have them. No, everybody has them. It's only Jedi's have them in enough number for it to ma- matter. Yeah, every living thing has midichlorians, Justice. Yeah. Midichlorians. They're dope. Midichlorians are Reshi and Jedi are Quincy. <laughs> so then the Federation boys are on a uh, hollow <clears throat> call with Darth Studious, as my notes repeatedly say, because Auto-correct? spell check. Yep. 
Um, Insidious ensures that things are remaining the same for the Trade Federation. But he's going to send Darth Maul out to help because, um, you know. Darth Maul. Things aren't actually remaining the same. They're all going downhill really fast. Um, they aren't excited about the idea. They don't like the idea of a Sith being there with them. Yeah, they're kind of creeped out by it. And then we cut to Anakin talking to... Which, to be fair, Darth Maul, like, Sidious, he, well, he's in a cloak and everything, looks vaguely human, yeah. mostly human. Darth Maul has, like, red skin that's, like, outlined with black tattoo stuff everywhere, patterns all over his head, and spikes sticking out everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. He looks yeah. rad. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what he was describing. So, then we got to Anakin talking to the pilot, and... Who would have guessed? Anakin knows a lot about flying, despite never having flown a spaceship and just making his own. Well, he's he, he already told us he was a pilot, so again, I skipped this. Yeah, because... yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like to point out, he's not a fucking pilot. He was a slave from birth, basically. No, he was a slave from the age of three. From birth, basically. <laughs> um, anyways, Qui-Gon, the Korean... Anyways... Qui-Gon, the Queen, and the crew all land in an isolated forest of Naboo, mm-hmm. and they go with Jar Jar to visit a Gungan city. Yeah, because they're going to see if they can get the Gungan army on board. Um, we don't actually get to see the Gungan city, but it's abandoned. Yeah. And Jar Jar's like, well, the Gungans, when, when things are bad, all gather at a sacred place in times of trouble. Yeah. Also, we get... Except, Obi- except he doesn't say it that well because yeah, he because- can't speak. Yeah. Also, Obi-Wan apologized to Qui-Gon for, like, disagreeing with him. And Qui-Gon's just like, it's fine. You're going to be a great Jedi Knight one day, kid. Yep. So we get to the... Gungan... Sacred place. Yeah. And Queen Amidala starts beseeching Boss Nass to help them. And Boss Nass is just like, I don't like people from And then Padme is like, I am actually Queen Amidala. Um, I'm going to kneel to you and beg you for your help. I don't think we're better than you at all. And Boss Nass is just fucking amused by this observance. And she's like... I think we might be able to work something out. Yeah, Boss Ness is like, oh, you bow to me. You don't think you're better than Gungan. Gungans can help. Yeah. Uh, so, and they go from not wanting anything to do with this fight at all to being willing to sacrifice their lives for this fight mm-hmm. in like two seconds. Yeah. It's like, whoop. Anyways, the Tread Federation is then back on a call with Sidious, and they're like, we found the Queen's ship, and Sidious is like, perfect, but let them make the first move. Yeah, and like, because of where the ship's at, Sidious is like, oh, she's working with the Gungans. I'm very confused by this aggressive tactics from her. That's This is kind weird. of weird. This is a dumb plan, but we can handle it. Um, anyways, battle plans are made. Gungans are the distractions. And the Queen, the Jedi, and, and Anakin, Anakin, for some reason, are going to sneak Leave into the Leave him city. on the fucking ship. Wait, wait, sorry. He's supposed to be learning. Sorry, not learning to be a Jedi. Yeah. He's still, like, 10. Yeah. And I get that a 10-year-old Padawan might actually, like, be an asset of some sort. Yeah. But this is a 10-year-old kid who um, thinks flying spaceships is is pod racing. Yeah. So the plan is that the Gungans Gungans will fight on a front to distract the Federation Mm -hmm. while Padme and the Jedi and her entourage will go to sneak in to capture the Viceroy for the Federation and make him surrender while another group, the pilots that they freed before that we've only seen now again, will... Go with them to the hangars and then fly to take out the droid control ships in space. Mm-hmm. Um, Sidious is then on call with the Trade Federation again. He's like, I want you to do me a favor. Kill all the Gungans. Also, she's dumb. Her planet is dumb. Yeah, just... This is going to be so easy. All the Gungans, murder them. They talk weird. 
Mm-hmm. Also, Darth Maul is now there with the uh, I've never, Federation I've only boys. met one Gungan. His name is Jar Jar Binks. But I want to murder oh, them all now. That's a spoiler, I guess. Um, Darth Sidious is is um, Senator Palpatine. Wait, what? Yeah. When do you learn this? It's not in either of these episodes. It's in episode two. No. Yes, it is. We see his face. No, we don't. We get like some weird underscoring and like we know he's a white guy. No, we see like the bottom half of his face. This Dude, is enough to like. No, it's not. Ask comics. You put like a little eye mask on someone, and you can't know who they are anymore. So, anyways, Senator Palpatine is Sidious, <laughs> and he's like, "I've met one Gungan in my entire life, and now I want and, them all um, dead. They all need to die, please, please, God, kill all the Gungans." Yeah. So the Gungans army head out, and they have these like brontosaurus things with shield generators. They set up their shield. George show up. They start shooting. I'm so pissed. Gungans have this awesome shield technology. But don't fucking have any form of motorized transportation other than, like, the ships they use underwater. No, 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 no. Their catapults are floaty and move, and they have the things to carry with their catapults shoot that are floaty and move, so they have transportation. I bet. They don't have any personnel carriers at all. Like, any of, like, private vehicles, they don't have those. Not a thing. Additionally, they have this cool shield technology, but they've they've never taken the time to be like, you know what would be nice for an army, which we have? Guns. Yeah. Instead, we're going to deal with these massive blue spheres that we call bombas. And um, we're going to throw those and we're going to have some, like, shield shields, but with, like, photon shields I hate for the, the main guns. mass of it. I hate the gun guns so much. Yeah, it's not good. Anyways, so, the, the Jedi and the Nabooians um, breached the Capitol building. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, they were going to sneak through a waterfall, but we never see the waterfall, yeah. which is a little upsetting. And, like, the moment they walk around a quarter at the palace... Droids immediately fighting starts. Yep, uh, they are bad at sneaking. And then Guaycon yells at Anakin to find some place and hide, mm-hmm. and to stay there while they fight. Anakin chooses to hide inside of a Naboo starfighter. Yeah, and the pilots are told to take their ships and fly, so they can attack the droid control ship. Yep, R two D two also is with Anakin and Slasa into his Nabooian starfighter. Yes. Uh, the main thing to take away from this though, Naboo starfighters look dope. Naboo ships in general look pretty fucking cool. Yeah, Nabooian ships. Look hella dope. And it makes me wonder why the X-Wing is the most popular Star Wars ship. Like, when it comes to toys and stuff, other than the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. When you could have the Booian Starfighters. These things are fucking dope. Yeah, so there's a firefight between Jedi, Nabooians, and droids. So, well, actually, at first we cut back to the droids and then Gungans. Mm-hmm. And that fight starts. And the Gungans have the very primitive weaponry with these, like balls that just like yeah go through whatever you throw them at like droid dropships appear and drop droids and the droid dropships are shooting but they're not getting through the shield the droids come up they walk straight through the shield yep and start massacring gungans because fun fact droids have guns gungans have like spheres throwy things yeah anyways then we jump back to the hangar where the resistance of the droids in the hangar is being completely wiped out Mm-hmm. And then the breaching force decides to head to the throne room because that's mm-hmm. where they f- figure the viceroys will be. And they open a door. And on the other side of the door is Darth Maul. And this perfect music fucking just... music, Duel of Fates, because let's face it, Duel of Fates is badass. Yep. And Gwagon at, at this point yells at Anakin to stay in the cockpit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the breaching party is cut off by badass music in Darth Maul. Yeah. And then Darth Maul. Focuses on the Jedi, but the breaching party is still cut off by some droids that appear. Let's not forget the cool reveal here. 
Darth Maul blocks them, mm-hmm. and he activates his lightsaber. Instead of just having one side that's po- that's that's magic laser bits, it's two sides of magic yeah. laser bits. The f- first side comes out and it's just like neat, neat. It's red, and then the second end comes out and it's two. Yep. So Amadala and her party is like, we'll take the long way. Don't worry. And then some droidicas show up. Yeah. And they have shields, and that's an issue. So and- uh, Anakin uses the ship to shoot them. Yeah, well, see, he tries to, but he acti- he accidentally turns on autopilot. Well, he turns the ship on first. Yeah, he turns the ship on, he accidentally turns on autopilot, and then while the ship is getting ready to leave the bay, uh, manages to blast the droidicas, and then the ship, because it's on autopilot, launches into space. Yeah. Um, so this cuts back and forth between the droids, the Nubians, well, the Nubuians, and the Jedi Sith fight... You want to just focus on each one at a time? I can't. My notes aren't worked that way. Okay, never mind. So, the dual fates proceeds to start, it's, and and Naboo has a very um Naboo has a very empire looking room just behind their fucking hangar, breaking that cave they begin. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get like maybe it's a data course, so, like the walls. Yeah, it makes it a little up. Why are the fucking like floors suddenly in like an entirely different material? Yeah. So I, I know they were going for like. We need the same feel of, like, Darth Vader, Luke fight, Palpatine, Luke fight, everyone who fought Luke fight. Honestly, this is the, the, the original trilogy has no fights that are on par with, with, no, Double Fates fates. is bad, but, like, why do we need the room to fucking look like it belongs in, like, the fucking Death Star or some shit, or on a Starfighter? Darth Maul versus Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon Jinn, two-on-one fight, and... So that fight starts. Yep. And then we got to Anakin. Who's headed up in space towards the droid control ship? Yep, and the ships that are already up in space are having trouble penetrating the shields in the droid control ship. Mm-hmm. And then we cut back to the dual fates. No, no. Then we cut to Jar Jar, who has a droid stuck on his foot. So he's just oh. flailing about and takes down like four or five more droids. Oh, I took zero notes mm-hmm. on the Gungan fight. And then we cut to Padme and the new and the Nabooian crew, who are shooting. They get stuck in a hallway, have to blow out a window, and then use. Ascension guns to yes. go up. Ascension guns. You're not cutting back and forth properly, but whatever. We'll, we'll hang out this way, and we'll get to the Duel of Fates all in one go. No, no, I'm cutting back and forth correctly, because then we get to Jedi's fighting Maul in the Duel of Fate, and they get separated. Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon get separated. Yeah. What happens is Obi-Wan gets knocked on his ass, mm-hmm. and Darth Maul runs ahead, and Qui-Gon follows, and then Darth Maul gets stopped by a red energy wall... I don't know and, if it's a heat shield. And then another red energy mall, wall pops up between Maul and Gwygon. Mm-hmm. And then some more continue to pop up on like a timer, I guess. And Obi-Wan gets there just in time to get caught in the last little segment of these red walls. Mm-hmm. And so Gwygon turns off his lightsaber, sits down, and starts meditating. Yeah. Um, then we jump back to the we jump back to Queen Amidala. Nope. Gungans. Yep. Gungans getting murdered. Um I'm telling you, I took zero notes on Gungans. Mm-hmm. Their giant shield gets dropped because it gets shot out, and the Gungans start retreating. So Jar Jar tries to grab onto, like, the Bombad um, convoy thing, knocks off its gate. Those start rolling out, hitting things, blowing them up. And Actually it's a bunch insanely of, useful. Yeah. Almost like he planned it. And then it's a bunch of Jar Jar barely surviving when other people are dying right next to him. It's almost like he's hardier and better at avoiding explosions and knowing they're going to happen. And then he lands, and him and this other guy around him gets surrounded. Uh, yeah, the guy is the head of security for the 
the first Gungan city that Jar Jar goes to yeah. with Obi Wan and Qui Gon. Oh, also the one that um, Boss Nass is from. Jar Jar was made a general. Oh yeah, he's he's a general now. Yeah, that's he's right. A general Jar Jar. No, 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 he's he's a Bomba general. His yeah, ju- Bomba general. He's specifically Jar-Jar a general Binks. of the Bomba weapons. I mean, honestly, he did better than the other generals in that situation or other little leaders in that situation because at least instead of just like fleeing, he caused other things to explode while they fled. So Anyways, then we cut to Padme and crew. And they get surrounded by Droidicus and captured. That's the long and short of that. Yep. And then we're back to Anakin. And Anakin crash lands his droid in the control ship's hangar. Mm-hmm. And um, he's like, oh, crap, the ship's overheating. I can't hear anything. And then there are droids approaching. Mm-hmm. And then we're back to the actual good part. I'd also like to point out, Duel of Fates is playing this entire time, but it feels entirely anticlimactic and bad in everything that's not yeah, so- Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, and Darth Maul. In the Duel of Fates scene, Qui-Gon and Maul turn their sabers back on, their barriers open, and they escape into a more open room that has a giant shaft in mm-hmm. the center. So, And then Obi-Wan goes to charge because his shield drops, and he, get caught, and he gets caught in the very last one. Yep. So Qui-Gon and Maul have a cool fight here, mm-hmm. and Qui-Gon gets stabbed in the chest by Darth Maul. Mm-hmm. And Obi-Wan is like, fuck. So then we jump back to Queen Amidala. Nope. We jump back to Gungans? Yep, just to see them give up. And then we jump to Padme. Um, then we jump to Queen Amidala. Oh, yeah. Actually, the actual Queen Amidala. Um, and they're captured and they're taken to, to the Viceroy's. Mm-hmm. And then another door to the, the throne room opens. opens. And it's decoy Amidala in, like, classic Amidala outfit. So, and, over the top and ostentatious. And that Queen Amidala and her group of Nabooians run off. So the Viceroy send the droids after them because they're mm-hmm. like, this is obviously the fake, not that yeah. one. So Padme goes to like, I think it was the throne? Yeah. And pulls out some guns that were just hidden in the like armrest and they surround the Federation and hold them at gunpoint. It doesn't make sense that she goes from being, I have guns hidden in my throne room to no, the Republic can't have an army. Yeah. Like it's so bad. Her character pivot is insane. Mm-hmm. And then we come back to Obi-Wan and Darth Maul. Obi-Wan is now free. Yes, and he very angrily gets in a fight with Maul. And, like, he's he's not fighting, like, a Jedi fight. Also, sadly, the fucking Duel of Fates music is gone now. Yeah, because Obi-Wan's angry, and his anger overrides the scene. Yeah, I know, <clears> but, like, we lose the cool music for that, and we lost it on boring scenes. Yeah, eventually, Obi-Wan cuts Maul's lightsaber in half, mm-hmm. and when he does this, Maul's, like... Fuck it, I'm only going to fight with one saber. Yeah, and forces Obi-Wan into a hole. Yeah, knocks him into the shaft, and Obi-Wan catches himself, but his lightsaber gets kicked down the shaft by Maul. Mm-hmm. So Obi-Wan has no weapon, and he's hanging in the shaft. And we cut to Anakin. Yeah, we, it's, a, it's a literal cliffhanger of a scene. And Anakin finally has a ship up and going, so he just starts shooting inside the hangar. And he gets lucky and hits the generator, which causes the chain reactions of explosion on the ship, mm-hmm. and he's racing out of the hangar and, and racing the ship's out of the outside ship. are like... What what's going on? I didn't hit it. Did you hit it? No, I didn't hit it. Anyone else hit it? Huh? But How they, the fuck it's exploding? Then they notice the signature of one of their ships, like mm-hmm. as it races out of the hangar. And while it races out of the hangar, Anakin gets his most iconic line ever. Now this is pod racing. Now that's what I call pod racing, Volume Nine. <laughs> um, fun fact: it's not pod racing. It's very much not. Not in the fucking slightest. He's not in a pod. He's not. In He's a not race. racing anyone. He's in a starship. In space. I guess technically he's racing the explosion. Yeah, I guess he's racing death. Whatever. And then we're back to the Gungans. They cheer because the droids stop working. Fun fact. Flash can outrun death. True. Fun fact. 
Captain Falcon can outdrive death. Also true. I mean, we don't actually get that as canon, but he outraces gods, the gods of speed. Yeah. So the Gungans cheer because the droids are stopped. And then we come back to Obi-Wan. And Obi-Wan force throws himself into the air and at the same time uses the force to pull Gwygon's lightsaber to him. And then he lands behind Maul and does a flourish and cuts Maul in half. And Maul then falls in two pieces down this shaft. And even though he gets zero lines, he still manages to be the coolest fucking character in this movie. Yeah. So then Obi-Wan races over to Qui-Gon. Qui-Gon's just like, it's it's too fucking late. Promise to train Anakin for me. He's the chosen one. He's going to bring balance to the Force. And Obi-Wan's like, I, I, that doesn't sound... I, I Fuck it, fine, I guess. Yep. The Trade Federation viceroys are sent back to the Senate where they have to make a full report mm-hmm. about everything they've done. And then Chancellor Palpatine arrives on Naboo. He's apparently from Naboo, and he's mm-hmm. the Chancellor of Naboo, where he tells Obi-Wan that the Senate owes him a great debt. He congratulates Obi-Wan, and then he congratulates Anakin, and he's just like, we'll be, I'll be keeping an eye on your career. Also, more Jedi show up in this scene. Specific, I don't know if it's a lot more. Yeah. There's specifically one additional Jedi in this scene. It's Keanu Mundi, um, Star Wars piece. Yeah. We'll know and, who that is. You know, he just collapses Obi-Wan's shoulder, and he's like, Phil's bad, man. Actually, for our non-Star Wars fan, Keanu Mundi is he looks very much like a human he's just got a very big head if you've watched the movie Coneheads, which i would suggest watching over this movie he looks like a cone head but with some hair but interesting facts about chaotic mundi's species um females they're they're like i think females outnumber males in his species something like 10 or 25 to 1 yeah and so males need to reproduce in order to keep the species going and so even though jedi are like Nope, you can't have love, you can't have relationships, you can't have attachments. Extremely monastic. Um, Keate Mundi has a past to fuck. Yeah. Keate Mundi is specifically the the only Jedi that's allowed to fuck. Yep. So then Palpatine assures Padme that together he and her will bring peace to the galaxy. We see Yoda make Obi-Wan into a Jedi Knight. And he's also like, you know, um, don't, don't, don't train Anakin. And Obi-Wan's like, I promised I would. And you're like, that's a really bad fucking idea. Why would you do that? Whatever. Fuck it. I'll make sure the council agrees. Yep. Um, that was back at Cor- Coruscant. Um, uh, well, the Palpatine thing was. And then... No, the Pal- was, oh, yeah, yeah. Palpatine takes... The yeah, Palpatine yeah, yeah. No, no, no. no I understand. I, I missed that you said Coruscant. I thought you said Naboo. And then Yoda granting Obi-Wan the title of... Appears Jedi to happen Knight. in the council room on Coruscant. And then there's a funeral for Gwygon, which still feels like it's on Coruscant. Because all the Jedi are in t- attendance. Yeah. And while they're having this funeral for for Gwygon, Obi-Wan tells Anakin that he'll be trained as a Jedi. Mm-hmm. And in the background, um, Nick Fury and Yoda discuss the Dark Warrior, who they both acknowledge was a Sith. But yeah. there are always two Sith. Sith. A master and an apprentice. And who, there, was he the master or the apprentice? Where is the other one? And then the camera slow, slow pans to Chancellor Palpatine. If you haven't figured it out yet, you're the dumb one, not me. Yeah. So Anyways. then we get a parade on Naboo. It's very peppy music that is honestly sounds very out of place for like this. Not even no, just like, because it's on. more upbeat, but like stylistically. It's really, it's really important we notice, note this. Amadala was on Coruscant for Gwygon's funeral. Yes. And then we're suddenly back on Naboo with quiet, with Obi-Wan and Anakin and Amadala. We also see Yoda and Nick Fury. And there's a celebration parade going and on. And Jar Jar, who was also at the funeral. And there's no words in this scene. Amadola just gives Boss Nass an award of some sort. And, and Boss he's Nass like, yeah! Boss Nass fist pumps, and then that's the end of the first episode. Yep. So do you want to give your thoughts, or do you want me to give mine first? If this was the first Star Wars I ever watched, 
And in this case, it is. I would never touch another Star Wars thing in my life. Makes sense. I don't disagree with you. If I was forced, I guess if I watched this as my first episode of Star Wars, and if somebody was like, well, now you got to watch the rest of Star Wars, I would legitimately contemplate killing them or myself to prevent that from happening. Yeah, that tracks. The first half of this movie is the most goddamn boring shit. And based on that alone, I'm confused about how it got picked up for a full a full nine-episode season. Yeah, the only good thing about it is Duel of Fates. Duel, and even that is like disrupted by a bunch of annoying, unimportant shit. Duel of Fates carries the back third of this film, yeah. but it's not enough. And oh, also, God, no. for some reason, there's 15 minutes, and they wanted to make it longer. I want to, I want to clarify this. We looked through the deleted scenes. There are more deleted scenes for pod racing than anything else. They wanted to make pod racing like a 25 minute part of this movie 15 minutes is enough it's too much the music in this movie is powerful i capitalize the word powerful here it's some of the it's some of the best music we've seen on this podcast like mm-hmm. uh, other than that some of the cga effects are kind of meh it is 1999 though so whatever honestly the movie just spends too much time on tattooing too much time on pod racing and not doing cool stuff when Phantom Menace is doing cool stuff. When Star Wars is doing cool stuff, like Duel Fates, it's a good sh- it's a good show. But when we're left to ponder the politics of the movie, politics that would suggest that the Trade Federation are actually the good guys and the Naboo are villains, and like that's the thrust of the movie, it's bad. It's very bad. You're not gonna me disagree with you. So that's my that's my that's my take on the first episode. That's my take. Um, when cool stuff is happening, like the Duel of Fates, which is kind of like the only cool, cool stuff in the movie, it's good. Yeah. When cool stuff isn't happening, it's kind of the definition of garbage. Yeah. So, you know, my thoughts. First off, very first thought, I don't know if I can make it any clearer. Pod racing is dumb. Next. But Justice, this is pod racing. No. This is podcasting. Ah, thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Watto seems problematic. You want to know what? Both of those problems come from the same place. We spend too much time on tattooing. We just shouldn't go with tattooing. Tattooing was a bad <clears throat> idea. You know what I've learned through all my years of watching Star Wars and consuming Star Wars properties? Nothing good happens on tattooing. Nothing enjoyable happens on planets that are deserts. Yeah, I hate sand. And so does Anakin. So, also, like we, we said multiple times, the Trade Federation is like, no actual problem other than the occupation that they, like, have. And, and throughout the film, even when we're told that they're, like, terrorizing people and killing people, we never see it. We're told, and again, show, not tell. And the time we're told that is in messages to... Amidala about why she should return and sign a treaty. Or when the viceroys are trying uh, to convince the governor, governor that they have to, a prisoner. Yeah. That way he will send a heartfelt message to Amidala to convince her to sign a treaty. Mm-hmm. We see you no know, damage in the streets. Like, when we see the parade, there's no damaged buildings, which implies no one resisted in the streets. The only damage we see the Federation do is to the forest when they initially land. So. And I honestly think if they could legally put a blockade up, and they still weren't getting paid. Yeah, I feel like just sending people down to be like, hey, pay your taxes. And honestly... It's like they fucking sent tax collectors down to the planet. Okay, so, like, here's the thing. 
they did send they did invade Naboo. Yeah, but they only invaded Naboo after the Senate, who overstepped their fucking bounds. The Trade Federation sent not actual politicians or negotiators, Jedi, but like the the this world's version of inner of of like international police, like yeah, scary space wizards, like with sticks that just mean you're dead, like. The Trade Federation didn't invade Naboo until after Jedi were sent to invade the Trade mm-hmm. Federation's ship. Yeah. See, that's what it is. If you, t- if, you t- if you tell somebody you're sending politicians and negotiators, but you instead send trained warriors, you're invading their ship with your Who trained warriors. Who can kill you with their mind. Yeah, actually, no, I, I've talked myself into it. The Trade Federation are the good guys. Um, the Senate, Naboo... They're all pieces of shit. Yeah. I don't think the Sith are good guys in this movie or in overall, but I think... The Federation just got, you know, used, but the Federation are good guys. Yeah, the Federation were just doing their jobs. So, uh, just another minor annoyance. Ascension guns, really. Did we have to change that, Lucas? Couldn't they just been a grappling gun? <laughs> Ascension guns, Justice. Ascension guns ready. So, honestly, what, what I think this show needs, more cool lightsaber fights... Much less pod racing. Also, I would just like to say, this is your first episode, right? So if Jedi are so fucking important, why don't we learn more about them? Why do they feel like they're like tertiary to fucking pod racing? Why does everything feel like it's fucking playing second fiddle to pod racing? There's so much pod racing and talk about pod racing. And the movie's supposed to be about trade routes and taxes. So, from this episode, hell no, I would not watch any more of this. Like, it's so fucking bad. It, it doesn't know what the fuck it wants to do. Like, it claims to want to focus on this political, like, fucking quagmire and the importance of it. But then fucks around for the first half of the movie on a desert planet where we just talk about a kid who can race pods really well and he might be important. Instead of focusing on, like, things that show that he might be important we're just told yeah uh, uh, humans can't do this so he has to be really good he must be good and could possibly be a jedi oh how do we prove he might be a really powerful jedi um he has a lot of these midichlorian thingies can i interrupt real fast yeah i'm done anyway you know how i mentioned that i think tatooine went down the shithole sometime between the prequel series and the original trilogy yeah and you were like well it's probably because of the republic fell. it's because they stopped doing pod racing no, no, no. I, 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 I just realized something. Yeah. The Republic's fall should not have had, a, had an actual, like, noticeable effect on Tatooine. They, ah. already, they already don't use the Tatooine currency. Actually, there's a reason. Ready for this? Okay. The Republic generated a time of peace, right? Okay. So you have all these people who are actually, like, wealthier and have free time in the Republic systems traveling to the outworlds where they can party and have fun and... Beforehand, they obviously transfer their like Republic credits into some form of money that will be spent on these. So there actually are boosting the economy of these outlying planets. But when the Republic falls, we see destabilization of that peace, so people aren't as free to travel, which we do know that the Empire kind of buckles down on. I disagree. I think in the original trilogy, we see a much higher amount of like bounty hunting and, and smuggling crime, which are both methods of earning money for these outworld uh, okay, crime, true, true. crime I think, planets. I think my argument stands for like an outlying planet that wasn't run by mafiosos. Mm-hmm. But because Tatooine is just straight up crime planet, you know, it should be booming. I don't understand it. 
I honestly don't. Anyways, this has been episode one of Star Wars, a review of. Um, we're doing something different here. We're breaking this into two episodes. I think I said that at the start, start of the episode. Because it's fucking long. But these are going to be like two hour, 45, hour and a half long episodes. And so with that, we're signing off right now. But mm-hmm. we'll be back in just a few minutes for us. Maybe a couple hours for you, depending on how long editing takes. But importantly, if you want to leave a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or on your iTunes? podcast app that you're using right now. It's called Apple Podcast now. Oh, weird. Okay, whatever. I mean, it's still the iTunes like application. I but, got you. It doesn't matter. Um, Wherever you're currently listening to us. Yeah, you can leave a review. If you want to communicate with us directly and tell us why Star Wars is good, when this movie obviously tells us it's garbage, you can do that by sending us an email at copilotsreview at gmail.com or you can hit us up on Twitter at copilotsreview or on our website or on our website copilotsreview.simplecast.com also you know if you want to like leave us a review if you have a piece of Kapoor snippet nearby you can feel free to carve it in on that um I'm sure it'll find its way to us somehow if not you can always try you know and remember if you give us that bracelet of that bracelet with a Kapoor snippet on it and um, leave your review on that. We'll never forget you. Never. We care about you. When we get to Coruscant, when we get things to Capital, won't change. Ca- things well, will change. Things will change, but we'll still care about you. We'll never not care about you. Yeah. So, you know, leave that review on a Kapoor snippet, and it'll all be good. Anyways, thanks for flying with us. We'll see you on the next flight, which is... Now. More Star Wars.